Welcome to the Force Matters podcast, powered by Motusi. I'm J.D. Romick. And I'm Jonathan Ang. We're here to have disruptive, inclusive, and informative dialogue at the intersection of technology, research, and clinical practice. Our promise to sort through the BS so you don't have to. Our focus is what matters to your musculoskeletal health. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Force Matters podcast. I'm stoked about our guest today because Jess is an old friend of mine. We actually were in the trenches of PT school together. And now she has built herself this thriving, super fun, integrated, like virtual, in-person, home health. You can basically schedule visits with her however you want. The Floor PDX is the name of your business, which is amazing. A great name for a pelvic floor business, if I do say so myself. I think it's fantastic. Um, so Jess, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, did I miss anything? Give me some of your background. Um, we went to school together. You know that. Yes. Um, I went to school same time, graduated same time, worked in a variety of clinics. I think actually up to six just because COVID happened. Oh, yeah. Numbers went down, popped to different places. There were not environments that I wanted to necessarily be a part of for clinical development and who I had hoped to become. Um, but the cool part is I met incredible people within all of those environments and clinics that I was a part of that helped me understand what I wanted to do in the future. So yeah, yeah, we started the Floor PDX this year and uh, we've already hired someone who's starting in November, which is super exciting. So cool. Um, and yeah, it's it's been so much fun to find like the thing that I feel like I can fulfill the need and find that satisfaction in that way. So yes. yeah. So there's a bunch of things that I love because you know you touched on being in different places and having a lot of different experiences, which many of us can probably relate to. Um, we don't need to dig into all the tea. I know there are reasons that some clinics thrive, some clinics fail. A lot of PTs get burnt out and they get, whether it's mistreated or used, and it's it's hard when you're a business owner, which you know, but then when you go to work in an environment that you don't get to create, and it sounds like you've mixed it very well with your style of work and your passion, which is helping females and males, males, this episode's for you too, don't don't run away, that the pelvic floor is actually a really important part of our body. So you get to dive into an environment that there's a huge need for. I know I'm pregnant right now, so this may be one of my last episodes with you all, but there has never been, I feel like, a better time to get information out about things to look out for in the pelvic floor, which is what I hope to dive into, whether you're a male or a female, and also maybe how to create your own business and and what to do. Um, maybe not too nitty gritty, but some of the basics. Yeah, so for sure. Tell me first, what I would love to know is why the pelvic floor? Why is it so important to you? Why should it be important to us? Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, I mean, you know me. I'm, I've never shied away from anything that's awkward to talk about. And <laughs> I think that the pelvic floor, uh, I mean, we you can speak to this, but our only pelvic floor lecture that we had in school at the time was something that was so uncomfortable for me to be a part of because people were giggling and trying not to like say anything because someone had said vagina and to me like that is so sad because it's such an important yeah it's such an important part of your body I mean a penis is so important um and for people to not have 
uh, as let's say physical therapists for us to not have ownership and understanding of that area of the body let alone to be a woman or a male or however you identify and not feel like you have ownership of that part of your body is like that's sad like and i find such passion in educating people so that they feel like hey this is a part of my body that i feel comfortable with i understand how it works i understand what i need to work on to improve it and it's not just like a place below the belt line that no one talks about yeah um when i had i have two kiddos and during after the first birth of my baby people as a little side note people can have pelvic floor presentations without having children. For me, it was post-children. And yeah, that might be the most stereotypical way of having it, but there's lots of individuals who have pain with intercourse or who have leakage with double unders or who leak when running, who have never had children or- Double unders being the jump uh, rope jump for yeah. CrossFit or whatever gym yep. you go to, yeah. Yep, or um, men who do long cycling trips uh, like road biking yeah. and they have um, erectile dysfunction because of pure pudendal neuralgia that happens with their bike seat positioning so Holy so smokes. many things that There's people just lot. don't know about yeah and I, I will add on to that so I've taken the entry of the first Herman and Wallace public floor course holy smokes you know mind is blown in a weekend but even in my early outpatient ortho days of being in this gym you have NFL athletes, you've got, you know, elite high schoolers, college kids coming in. And then you get sometimes your average, you know, person that wants to be active or ride a bike. And I had a gentleman that had some tailbone pain and it would not go away. And it was very, like nothing that I've ever seen before. And going back, I'm like, man, I wish I knew how to examine or how to even navigate the pelvic floor for men who maybe they're cyclists or maybe they're just desk workers and they sit on their butt all day and have had an injury or a trauma to that area and you don't really know how to navigate it so it is hugely important like all these little cases you're saying i can think of all these instances of low back pain tail tailbone pain hip pain uh perennial pain like there's some interesting things that you don't typically see and then you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to handle this. Yeah. And it's easy to tell a provider who you're coming to see for a low back pain that, hey, my back hurts. And it's hard to say, hey, my vagina actually is killing me. Like yeah. that's not something that you readily bring up to anybody. Right. So why do you think that is? Because people just don't talk about that area. I think it's finally, yeah. I think things are finally flipping and changing, but I think because that's such a vulnerable region that mm -hmm. it's scary to say like, I don't know what's going on here yeah. and it's not normal. And I think about the generations before us. Yeah. So we're both millennials and mm -hmm. Gen Z has gotten even more blunt than we mm -hmm. have. So it's funny to like see the types of interaction and language used yeah. versus our parents who don't emotionally probably talk about anything because they were raised by the silent generation, you know, like absolutely boomers and yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, you don't really, yeah. it's not appropriate to talk about these things or it's awkward or you don't know what mm -hmm. to say. So I think this, type of education is so important. You even posted the other day. So if you're not following just on Instagram at the floor PDX, is that right? And you had a post about orgasms. I'm like, this is hilarious because yeah. most people engage in that type of activity at some point in their life and to not know anything about it is, um, is disempowering, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. It's almost more harmful to know nothing about it. I would because then that. you can have false narratives that are easily placed in of like, I'll say this, I feel like if you don't understand what it's supposed to be like or what it should be like, it's so easily culturally to think that like 
a certain, this is what it should be like. And then you yeah. immediately feel that you don't live up to a bar that mm -hmm. might have been set that might not be accurate whatsoever. Yeah. And then you always feel less than. Right. And it's funny, we never hear false narratives about anything else mm. in PT ever, do we? Mm. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. never. I feel like it's the, <laughs> the land of, you know, yeah. nocebo and mm -hmm. bad language and false ideas about mm -hmm. why we get pain anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of, I have so many questions that I want to open up for the audience. But the first one is, what are some very typical things that you mm -hmm. see maybe in clinic that if you're not properly trained or that you don't have an mm -hmm. eye, this may be hard because you've been so in this world, but like, what are some really common things that you see that might be attributed mm -hmm. attributable to the pelvic floor that mm -hmm. may present as something else yeah. that maybe you need to get some more skills so that you can dive into mm -hmm. the pelvic floor, better questions to mm -hmm. ask. So start with the conditions first, and then I wanna know what types of questions should PTs be asking mm -hmm. their patients to get more information? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of stereotypical presentations that you might see in clinic that you don't know are pelvic floor things might just be behavioral things that you're monitoring for or that pop up in subjective. And quite frankly, I mean, we've talked about this, but I think the most important part of any evaluation is that subjective component because you hear the patient's story and you form that relationship and trust. And in creating that environment where you feel safe and known and okay to express how you're feeling, that's where we get so much more information. But if you have, let's say, a powerlifting athlete who is saying that when they get to their end, set, last rep of their end set, and they feel like uh, they've got a lot of pressure in their glute region, I'd want to explore that. Are they talking mm -hmm. about actual glutes or are they just not telling you that they're having rectal issues when they're mm -hmm. doing those tasks? Yeah. Um, or listening to people who are saying that they have to shorten their run because they have to make it back home to go to the bathroom or they just do loops mm -hmm. around their house because they don't know how to, they think that by emptying their bladder 1200 times, they won't possibly have any urine to leak out. Yes. Um, or watching how people might choose to wear, I mean, I choose to only wear black pants. I mean, I didn't notice black I was wearing black great, today. I mean, black is a great color. But um, oftentimes people will choose to only have black leggings because it doesn't show that they're leaking when they're working with you. Mm. Or um, if you choose to prescribe um, adductor eccentric tasks or anything where your legs are more splayed apart, people might choose to alter that without necessarily showing or telling you that they are because they don't feel like they're in a, they feel in a compromised position when they're in that lengthened mm -hmm. pelvic floor position because it's more difficult to control or they have, feel like they have less control in that area. Lots of times there's um, referred hip pain when there's a lot of pelvic floor presentations because mm -hmm. of those hip rotators that are attaching and in that third layer of the pelvic floor. So there's lots of referred hip pain that can happen. Um, Lots of times people who have had low back issues will have pelvic floor presentations as well. Um, and there's just a whole thing about how to, positional changes that you can do, understanding how to load that canister, though obviously um, it's so much more nuanced than obviously build up your abs to have no back pain. Right. We know that's right. not true. Strengthen your core, your yeah. back won't hurt anymore. Yeah, 100%. Like that is so not true. out the window. So yeah. out the window. Um, but understanding that, let's say you're starting to do heavier lifts, how are you bracing? Are you bearing down while you're bracing? Or are you creating more capacity with 360 breathing into a belt? Or do you think belt is like squishing your belt on as tight as you can, like a toothpaste? Right. So um, understanding that nuance. But like the most stereotypical presentations are like pelvic pain, pain with intercourse, um, 
urge incontinence, which is like there will be a trigger of like sometimes if I drop my keys, I have to pee. Or sometimes people will say if they walk in and they smell the gym floor before I work out, they have to pee right away. And that's been the cue that's been connected together. Or um, stress incontinence of like leakage with double unders, like the jump roping or Mm -hmm. box jumps or running or sometimes dependent upon how people are bracing. If you're re-racking your weights, they'll sometimes have leakage there because in their head, I'm done with the lift. So they lose whatever bracing they might have. And at that point in time, dipping forward, put the bar on, which you could also address as opposed to walking forward. That's when they get a leakage as well. Interesting. So these types of instances Mm -hmm. when people are maybe leaking or they don't have necessarily the, um, maybe it's strength or endurance to keep their um, their urine or their bowels intact, those can be clues to ask questions. But mm-hmm. I'm curious, what in your subjective, what questions have you started adding mm-hmm. to those maybe that have low back pain, hip pain, um, or any pain that's like low back and down? Mm-hmm. How have you been addressing those mm-hmm. types of issues or questions? Like, yeah. what do you ask your patients? Yeah. Um, well, most of the time, the patients that are coming into me are specific for pelvic floor patients, so our mm. subject- subjective is specific to that. But um, maybe if you're talking if to I was an outpatient or s- you're working with a lifter, hundred percent. If um, so, what I've been doing is speaking to a lot of coaches who are working with patients who are coming in and training with them as well, yeah. who might not even have presentations. But if you're an orthopedic PT and you don't even want to go into the pelvic floor world, but you're scanning for that, I would ask patients in the subjective: Have you had? I mean, we ask this anyway as a red flag screening mm-hmm. question: Have you had any changes in balance? bladder and if they're like no I mean I've always kind of leaked with XYZ yes explore that say what do you mean by that Mm -hmm. do you only leak when you're doing impact stuff do you leak like what do you mean by leaking is it a lot is it a little bit or um even when we're looking at a whole body subjective of are you getting enough sleep are you um do you have a partner? Because most of the time they'll say, I have my blah, 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 blah. How are you guys doing? Are you mm-hmm. able to have intimacy? Is that painful? Or because that can even come from a positional standpoint because we're so afraid to go into that realm. But like if someone has back pain, maybe they can't get into the position that mm-hmm. they prefer for intercourse if that's what they're partaking in. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearing that out. Has that been painful? Can you do it? Is it does your back feel like a limiting factor or do you feel like it's like sometimes it's easier to say where a bike seat would be as opposed to perennial pain because most people don't know that's the perineum that's great so if where a bike seat is is that painful does that feel normal to you has that changed um and explore there and then have good referral partners that's interesting because i think a lot of people would be even uncomfortable to ask Mm -hmm. about intercourse Mm -hmm. or any nether region Mm -hmm. it feels really forbidden Mm -hmm. and i think just having some simple verbiage like the bike seat is mm-hmm. really helpful to, like you're saying, have a strong referral partner. And if you do suspect something to refer out. Mm-hmm. So that brings me to like another question. So not everybody leaks, not everybody mm-hmm. has um, issues with continence mm-hmm. if they have pelvic floor pain, which mm-hmm. is also common. What are some other like big misconceptions to maybe pelvic floor issues mm-hmm. that people might have that they should be looking for other things, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Or maybe the most commonly misdiagnosed things that you see that you're like, ooh, this is like hallmark, you need to be Mm -hmm. looking for this. Mm -hmm. I think, and you can tell me whether I'm answering the question, how you're thinking, but um, stereotypical physical therapy for the pelvic floor was lie on the table and do Kegels. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so gross because like it's not relevant at all. I mean, there's so many nuanced issues there, but oftentimes I'll have people who come to me and they're like, I've been doing my Kegels or 
Or sometimes in the ortho world, they're like, yeah, I don't have pelvic floor problems. I've, I've been doing my Kegels. And that's not number one. Kegels are named after a male doctor, which I have no problem with male doctors, <laughs> but like Dr. Kegel, really? And there's Stop. no other contraction in the body that's named after a person. Like if you're doing so heel funny. raise, it's not gonna be like, go do your, go do your Johnson's, Fredericks. Your yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, within our practice, it's been, I've been super intentional about not calling anything Kegels because people mm -hmm. don't understand one from a motor control perspective. Sometimes that association with understanding what I'm actually making my body do is very difficult. So mm -hmm. now we're gonna add a weird name to it. So you don't even know if I'm asking you to shorten it or lengthen it. Yeah. So we've been calling it pelvic contractions or lengthening your pelvic floor because that's so important. And oftentimes what we need to do is lengthen your pelvic floor, not yes. contract your pelvic floor. This is something I wish. So I had some knowledge mm -hmm. prior to my first child. So I'm pregnant with our second. Our first, I had an amazing pregnancy. I was mm -hmm. so active and I had this idea that I need to be strong. I need to be strong to be able to have endurance mm -hmm. to birth this baby. And it was a long labor. I will tell you, if I... I feel like if I had learned to lengthen rather than do Kegels all the time, or that there is another action for the pelvic mm -hmm. floor that is just as vital as strength, mm -hmm. that lengthening and being able to even get in tune mm -hmm. a little bit more would be beneficial because those that have been active, especially like their entire lives as active as I feel like I had probably been, my pelvic floor strength or tightness was probably not a question, mm -hmm. but many women and maybe even men don't realize that too tight of a pelvic floor mm -hmm. can really impact that. Mm -hmm. One thing I also learned in this Herman and Wallace course is that if people have had sexual assault mm -hmm. in their past or any type mm -hmm. of trauma 100%. to that area, which is mm -hmm. heartbreaking, and especially a mom of a daughter right now thinking about that for any female mm -hmm. or male, because mm -hmm. males can be sexually assaulted mm -hmm. as well, can have increased tightness or guarding or some type of protective, subconscious protective mechanism that the tightness is actually not good. You know, the you don't- The body keeps score. Yes. Oh, I love, that's a great book. Mm -hmm. If you haven't read it. There's also a, a lot of one. studies to show people who have TMJ problems have really overactive pelvic floors because they're very loop. So like you have high anxiety, you have, tendencies for clenched jaw or you need to have a brace at night because you're grinding your teeth pelvic floor probably is in that position too yeah that's so interesting so high stress mm -hmm. like even asking about that i feel like mm -hmm. could be beneficial 100 percent. yeah history of sexual assault I'll, I'll bridge that question with patients usually regardless yeah. like depending on what they're dealing with they have severe neck mm -hmm. cervical pain or mm -hmm. pelvic floor pain like that whole stress response is really mm -hmm. um Anyway, it's very yeah. um, apparent when you start learning that yeah. type of stuff. 100%. So yeah. I'm with you. It's like we need to learn different language than Kegel, Kegel, Kegel mm -hmm. or pelvic floor mm -hmm. contraction, TRA contraction. A lot of PTs have heard that one as well. Yeah. Um, so this is great. Which is also another interesting thing to go down. But it is. Yeah. And maybe we, maybe we do jump down yeah. that because that's pertinent to PTs. Yeah. But um, didn't mean to interrupt the thought of no. like other misconceptions, things that yeah. we should be aware of. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, the, the pelvic floor contraction, I like to equate it because sometimes it's so difficult to get the understanding of what the pelvic floor is. Even as a physical therapist, it's difficult to understand the pelvic floor if you haven't had any additional training in that realm. But having someone do pelvic floor contractions or stereotypical Kegels or Kegels is like having someone who walks on their toes say, you should just do heel raises, it'll make everything better. Mm, like it yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. So understanding as physical therapists, like load capacity, tolerance, tissue length, that same stuff applies to the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. Like as you're landing, that's an eccentric contraction as your body's absorbing the force. Like it's important that your pelvic floor can move with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that so many people, when I had had our first baby, which was very difficult as a postpartum rehab situation, when I returned to running, I didn't do any return to running screening because I didn't know anything about that, which is funny now. Um, <laughs> and I thought you just had to do a pelvic floor contraction the entire run, which no. Oh, that's impossible. Absolutely not. But also like you don't really think about that yeah. engagement. It's like, okay, I think I'm contracting it while mm -hmm. I'm running. It's like, there, mm -hmm. no, there's yeah, no connection. Not. Yeah. And if you don't understand that there's also like a totally different role of the body to not just uh, contract mm -hmm. and understanding that there's actually an in-between and it, again, as you do in every other aspect of physical therapy, graded exposure to the task, mm -hmm. like it makes you so much more empowered. So I think that's like the biggest common misconception is just do pelvic floor exercises, Kegels the yeah. whole time, which is not, because that great. with birth, um, the number of people I have come in, we have a lot of patients who prenatally come into prep for birth, um, understanding that the pelvic floor muscles have no role in delivering the baby. They just have to get the F out the way. <laughs> so, so the uterus so contracts true. baby. So yeah. understanding how to have pliability of, yes, you want a strong and capable pelvic floor. Right. Of course you do. But you also understand how breath influences the lengthening process of mm -hmm. pelvic floor. And we actually do uh, training exercises because it's so difficult, kind of like what you mentioned. When we're in pain, when we're stressed, everything wants to be tight. Our adductor muscles want to squeeze everything. Mm -hmm. Pelvic floor muscles want to be taut. But if we can teach our body to let go and understand that this is like a temporary thing, baby will come out, it will not stay in you forever. Yeah. So we do breath work while holding ice cubes so people can understand like this oh. is the pain that's happening, but <laughs> like this is how we lengthen pelvic floor okay. to like be okay with letting go yeah. even though we have the pain. That's so interesting. Yeah. I'll have to get some ice cubes out at home. <laughs> you know you're going to do it tonight. This is hilarious. <laughs> so funny. Um, I'm loving this and I, I love that it's kind of transitioning into like prenatal mm -hmm. and, and, you know, birth care because, you know, that is like what you would think of mm -hmm. with pelvic floor is mm -hmm. labor, delivery, birthing, things like that. Um, if you could give a message, maybe it's a a thing to general orthos, mm -hmm. maybe it's also to pelvic floor PTs. Mm -hmm. um, if there was something that, like a mountain that you wanted to stand on to say this, and maybe it's the Kegel thing, because that <laughs> was a pretty good point. Is there a message that you really want to deliver? Or maybe it's a couple messages that you really want to deliver about whether it's public health, mm -hmm the body, mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. in the realm of PT, what what would you want to say or what do you feel so passionately or strongly about? I think that understanding one, that yeah, Kegels are not the answer, that like pelvic floor contractions are not something that you have to do always. I think um, understanding that pregnant individuals are not frail and fragile, that Word. they're incredibly capable and yes. able to do all the things. Um, three, you, 
understand the principles of loading of the body intimately understand mm -hmm. what it feels like to press someone and understand rpes and progression and regression and don't take that away from someone who's pregnant because it's still incredibly relevant mm -hmm. um and use that to apply to the pelvic floor because pelvic floor research and practice implications are like five to eight years behind ortho. So like stuff that we've known and done for forever, you enter the pelvic floor world and they're like, oh my gosh, I've been sticking my head between people's legs and I've just remained there. No, get people off the table. I think that's the, actually probably one of the most passionate things for me is it's not relevant to check. Yes, you wanna check people's pelvic floor lying down, but like get them up. Yeah. We check for prolapse and standing. We look at, mm. um, we bring kettlebells into, um, the treatment room that we have because we're part of a crossfit gym and we have people like tie their little uh um sheets on them like grecian garb and we mm -hmm. do internal examination while they go to pick up the kettlebell to see are we actually bearing down while you're doing this mm -hmm. task are you able to volumetrically brace when you're lifting yeah. um and then go play in the gym get out of the room yeah. like you don't need to be in the room really you don't even, yes, internal examinations are important, but like there's so much you could do without doing an internal examination. That's what I've heard and learned as well. And you know, the only ed formal education I've had um, in the pelvic floor in a weekend course, there was, a, there was quite a bit of internal examination. And this is where I wanna know, what do you mm -hmm. measure? So mm -hmm. I know you can't really measure things with your hands, tissue tension, mm -hmm. length, strength. Like I know that there is a perf score, like the, Basically, when someone does do a contraction, do they have strength? Do they have mm -hmm. endurance? Things of that nature. But what objective measures do you use? I know mm -hmm. you talked to RPE, mm -hmm. things like that. And how does that influence your plan of care? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of where our clinic is, we don't have an insurance company that we have to try say, give me more visits for anything that totally. we do. So our objective measures are far more specific to the patient. Weird, right? Patient-centered Weird. Care. It's a foreign uh, concept. Yeah. So the PERF score is like the best that we have, which really sucks. Um, so I don't, I use it as like a screening things for myself to understand, okay, this is how long they can hold a contraction for. Right. This is blah, blah, blah. You can't see the contraction. Even if you did biofeedback, what we know from EMG, surface EMG, or anything like that, right. you can't even tell that they have a strength. Mm -hmm. So it feels very subjective to me. 100%. So yes. so the biggest thing that we do, so we do um, the, the pelvic floor distress inventory, PFDI, pelvic floor, yeah. Okay. Dyslexia, dude. No, I, it's like I, I never do, and I think I said this on the last podcast. I never do math, no, uh, out loud or in public or like never. I never it's just on my fingers underneath. Or I never try to like, spelling. I, I'm yeah. somewhat decent, but if I try anyway, I'm with you. Exactly. Like, put so, on the spot. Exactly. So we do that as an outcome measure to start with, and it's simple questions of like, uh, do you leak when you do X Y Z? How much do you do it? Um, so that's like a baseline that we go off of. But a lot of the tasks that we do, like to me, if I do an internal examination on you and your strength doesn't seem that great, but if we go test and run and progress everything and you're not experiencing leakage or pain, mm -hmm. I don't really care that we need to lie down and make you squeeze yeah. harder. I don't know. It's Especially not relevant. when you're not against gravity, mm -hmm. when you're not 100%. doing something that you normally mm -hmm. do in your daily life. It's really easy, I mm -hmm. think, to not have incontinence when you're lying down. Mm -hmm. It's usually exactly. when you're up or you're doing mm -hmm. something that exerts 
pressure yep. in your abdominal yep. cavity. So, so most of our objective is, okay, if your issue is doing double under CrossFit jump rope, mm -hmm. what number can you get to before you start leaking? And that's going to be our benchmark. Yeah. And then your progression is going to be, I mean, we had someone the other day in the clinic. I say we, I talk about myself as there's three of me. That's okay. Currently. We. It can um, be. Yeah. She got to seven double unders and was leaking. And at the end of the treatment session, she got to 22. And it was just because we were modifying and talking about progression and load and tolerance and what she was feeling in the moment and getting rid of the understanding of what she thought she had to be doing. Yeah. It doesn't, the whole KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Know mm -hmm. your loading tolerance, yes. know your lifts, understand how to progress people, remove. If you think that there's fear mongering in like the orthopedic realm, step into the pelvic floor realm where no one talks about anything. And Gosh. then because they're so afraid that they're going to make something worse, fear mongering is up here. And shame is rampant 100%. as well. So when yeah. you give your patient the guilt of, mm -hmm oh man, and this is what I was guilty of with this client who had the, the tailbone pain that was a male, that it was probably weeks in that I finally asked about, have you ever had issues with incontinence in your past? And and he said that he had mm -hmm. like uh, rectal incontinence, mm -hmm. fecal incontinence. I'm like, I am such an ass. Like here I have been like trying to get this guy to be compliant with his exercises. And he is this total desk jockey, like, actually really brilliant like programmer coder like does so many cool things mm. is so wicked smart and he doesn't do his exercises so i'm like mm. okay we need to really be compliant with these because we're mm -hmm. not going to get any strength if you're not doing your exercises also, you're not an ass you didn't know what questions to ask it's true the ignorance piece but when you look back and you're saying like the shame mm -hmm. a man who mm -hmm. is dealing with pelvic floor issues i finally referred him to a pelvic floor mm -hmm. specialist because I realized like, wow, I missed something really mm -hmm. big here. And it's all we can do, I guess, is learn. Mm -hmm. But it's true, like, we don't talk about these things. Mm -hmm. It's shameful to like bring up anything below the belt and then add the the male expectations that society has. And like, mm -hmm. this is an embarrassing problem mm -hmm. for so many mm -hmm. people. And then you layer that. So mm -hmm. I'm with you. Maybe it's more, I wanna emphasize that so that anybody else dealing with mm -hmm. that can really wrestle with yeah. okay maybe i shouldn't be so quick to judge or quick to shame mm -hmm. so this is fantastic yeah. didn't mean to interrupt your yeah. thought just keep going i mean i think that that could also swing to like those who are postpartum because there's such an understanding mm. and thought in society that you bounce back oh, and so in yes. our culture where paid maternity leave is still something that you have to fucking fight for yeah which is so broken yeah um in that in this society where you have one checkup to just clear you for everything when your tissues are still healing Even if you've had a cesarean uh -huh. if mm -hmm. you've had your abdominal mm -hmm. cavity cut open mm -hmm. and a baby removed i see more people with post-op yeah. total knees or post-op yep. acl like i see an acl for six months mm -hmm. in an ortho setting and they have sometimes twice mm -hmm. a week visits yep. yet you have a major abdominal surgery and your pelvic floor is in, in implicated yep. and which brings to the point you have a c-section your pelvic floor is still involved even though you didn't push baby out 100 still involved yes yeah. so it's just i'm i'm feeling this like this anger towards the system mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. you know obviously having had a baby mm -hmm. but pts that maybe miss yeah. that piece yeah. and it's like Oh, you are going through so much. Yeah. This is such a struggle. Yeah. So I think to say is like, it's okay to say you're not okay. 
<laughs> I think that's the biggest thing. Whether you identify as a male or a female and you've had a baby or you have rectal incontinence, it's okay to say postpartum, even if you're six months postpartum, because arguably postpartum is an extended oh, long period of time. Yes. I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And these are why I'm not okay. And be have someone, I mean, sadly in this environment, not in this environment, this day and age, we have to be advocates for our own health, mm -hmm. but understanding that it's okay to push and say, no, I want more. I want better. No, yeah. even though you cleared me, I am not better. Mm -hmm. Like, where do I go to get better? And being yeah. okay. Talk to your friends. That's mm -hmm. like the biggest yes. thing. Like I ask my friends all the time and people who I don't know, um, how's your pelvic floor? I mean, you yeah. just had a baby. Are you doing fine? <laughs> how's your pelvic floor? Yeah. Are you pooping okay? <laughs> I know. It's funny, after my weekend course that I took for the pelvic floor, um, the first reaction I get from people is, you're doing what? Or you do what? I'm like, okay, so the internal exam work, you, I'm not an OB, mm -hmm. the exercises aren't pervy, like mm -hmm. it's, it's not a, anyway. It's professional, 100%. it's a profession. Mm -hmm. But then the second question I get is, you got any tips? Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, from family members mm -hmm. to mother's-in-law to sisters that have these mm -hmm. types of things, everybody's curious mm -hmm. because nobody wants to talk about 100%. it. So I love 100%. that you're creating this kind of safe environment mm -hmm. as well as um, inviting people in on your page. And I think the cool thing about what you do, and I, mm -hmm. I do wanna to touch on your business, I don't mm -hmm. wanna to go too long, and, maybe this can be a extra little tidbit mm -hmm. for people is running a business that's remote. We've had several guests on that, you know, say in the next five to 10 years, PT might be kind of like this, where mm -hmm. you have a lot of clinic chains, yes, but then you do have a lot of mm -hmm. these private practice PTs that have a hybrid of being on Instagram or online mm -hmm. where you can buy programs or you can book however many visits, you can buy packages, things like mm -hmm. that. I know all this exists, but do you feel like that's where PT is going, A? And B, how do you run your business? I think that, sadly, stereotypical PT is very broken right now. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a lot of capacity for change. And mm -hmm. I mean, we are, not to toot our own horn, but physical therapists as a whole are very intelligent people. They can adapt to the system or recreate a system if it's so broken that they can't mm -hmm. sustain what they want to treat. So unfortunately, because reimbursement rates continue to decline, the quality of care that often happens is more difficult because you've got four to five patients per hour and how are you supposed to actually focus on yeah. anyone in that period of time? Um, there is lots of things that you can do remotely for individuals. Mm -hmm. There are so many things you can talk about. Uh, behavioral changes, uh, positional changes. Uh, sometimes I have one patient who is um, eight hours away from me, but for her, I don't think she ever wanted to come in person because she has so much anxiety that's involved in this mm -hmm. process that for her it's safer to be behind her computer screen and she's still getting changed and yeah. being assured that what she's doing isn't wrong and that she's doing okay. So there's definitely space and move, uh, capacity for that. Um, I don't know if we will ever fully move away from a clinic environment. So to mm -hmm. have the capacity to see someone, because I think there is importance in touch. For sure. Um, because that's that human connection. Not to say that I'm giving people massages the whole time, but like to say even just like, hey, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I have been there before. So important. Even to see my MD, mm -hmm. who doctors don't mm -hmm. typically touch or do any. I mean, mm -hmm. they do vitals. They can do blood work. You can mm -hmm. go to a lab for all that now, mm -hmm. though. So it doesn't. You don't need to really be with your doctor, but it mm -hmm. still does feel. Mm -hmm in the medical system, really nice to be with a human. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Love that. 
And then, so tell me more about your mm -hmm. business and how your model works. Yeah, yeah. So we are cash pay because I was so tired of playing in the insurances game. That's not how I want to be as a practitioner. It's not how mm -hmm. I want to be as a human. That being said, people use HSA benefits, they use super bills uh, mm -hmm. for out-of-network benefits. I feel like as society, we're becoming more um, in charge of our healthcare and understanding how to Absolutely. make our insurance work for us because the insurance system is so, what a beautiful mm -hmm. business. They just oh, pocket all of the money. You spend so much money per month oh and yet you gosh. can't get anything. No, you have to pay even more yes. to hit a deductible yes. to then get uh -huh. stuff covered. Mm -hmm. Maybe 80% 80, 80 of it covered. Oh, yeah, There's maybe. still a chunk maybe. of it that you have mm -hmm. to cover after uh -huh. you reach that massive deductible mm -hmm. because we made up all these terms yep. Yep. and we make everything up. Yep. So there's so much more, yeah. I think, people are taking it into their hands to be like, no, this is not how I want my health story mm -hmm. to be. Like, I can advocate for this clinic, this clinic, choose my providers that I want and actually get time with them. So mm -hmm. um, with our patients, we see them for a full hour. Um, with us, we have no one else, so PT patient. Um, we do, it's really cool because again, you don't have insurance as a constraint. So we do mm -hmm. a whole bunch of really cool, we're about to release, um, we have a postpartum package that we're putting together. So we have a, uh, a nutritionist who specializes in prepartum and postpartum nutrition. The one that I met? Mm -hmm. Yes, yep. love her. Yep. So um, she comes into your home and cooks meals for you for the first couple weeks Stop. postpartum and um, then does a check-in of how are you doing? <laughs> are you getting enough if you're breastfeeding or you're not yeah. breastfeeding? Uh, how are you sustaining your body? healing with that huge wound of the placenta leaving your body. Yes. Um, Size of a dinner plate. Exactly. And then we do uh, a couple fresh postpartum visits in the home if that's what you want. And then people come to the clinic and we play. That is so fantastic. I love everything that you're doing because it feels like the heart of what PT mm -hmm. is. It's we want to serve people. We mm -hmm. want to have a skill that's valuable. We want to be a loved member of our community in that we have a skill to bring to the table we have something to offer and the rest of the community rallies with their skills it just feels like the way people mm -hmm. should live and not the way that society has like put us in our silos mm -hmm. and our thought bubbles mm -hmm. to maximize profit mm -hmm. minimize humanity yeah so i love this mm -hmm. give us like your details your Instagram, whether it's your personal or your mm -hmm. business, do you have a website? Yep. How can people find you? Yep. Um, Instagram is thefloorpdx. We have a website, thefloorpdx.com. Great. Um, you can find us on Facebook, but like, there's not really anything on Facebook. I feel like nobody's on quietly Facebook dying. anymore. Yeah. Especially Gen yeah. Z. They're like, yeah. All the boomers <laughs> and all the Karens are updating their 100%. With pictures of their grandkids and memes that yeah. are anyway. Yeah. So Instagram Great. and uh, thefloorpdx.com. Love it. Thank you, Jess. And we'll probably have you on again because I really want to get, this feels like a very big intro, very broad intro, but it's very important. Mm -hmm. And so if even PTs want to follow you to get yep. some really great wisdom or education, you should teach some Con Ed courses. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, but it's been very valuable just yeah. to even hear you debunk some of the common mm -hmm. things that PTs say or hear or do or don't know mm -hmm. um, that I think can really be vital in giving their patients a better quality of life. 100%. That's what we're all about. 100%. So anyways, thanks for joining us. Thank Until you. next time, everyone. Thank you so much. Keep moving. You've been listening to the Force Matters podcast. We appreciate you tuning in and really want to hear from you. Visit us at our website at motusi.com. Our new Instagram handle is at Force Matters podcast. DM us there, participate in our Force Matters mailbag segments. And just keep following along. Until our next one, keep moving.